0: Welcome to HR Tech Weekly, One Step Closer with Stacy Harris and John Seltzer. Stacy, how are you?
1: Morning, John. I'm doing well. It's a crisp, really cold morning here in North Carolina. So we had ice on the ponds this morning as I was out taking my walk and the leaves are all down. So I think we finally have hit winter and cold weather here. How about you guys in California starting to settle down a little bit? You guys at least getting a little bit of time to get outside while we're still in lockdown?
0: Yeah, but we live in such different worlds. Right now, it's starting to rain. It's chilly and damp. And in December, the hills will be bright green and the animals will be having offspring. So our winter can look like your spring. Now, our summer looks like your idea of a desert, right? That's <laughs> <Yes, laughs> exactly That you, yeah. You don't have that part. But anyhow, it's on the path to getting gorgeous. I never knew you could love fog. And when you live here, you have to love fog. And so there's a nice fog settling in, which means all the plants will be happy.
1: Yeah. And most of my favorite pictures in that area are around this time of the year and the fog rolling in. And it's quite a beautiful thing. I get it completely. And our fall here is not a bad thing either. I can't complain. I'm not in Ohio. It's snowing in Ohio this week. I will take a little bit of crisp weather for us. So, so <laughs> what are traveling, but Yeah, we've had big events this week. We had three of our analyst conferences virtual, but we had Ultimate, we had Ceridian, and then there's Degrees a little bit later today that I think some of us might be attending. Oh, and ISIMS too, right? Right. So it's been a busy week. Which ones did you yeah. get to attend? I got the Ultimate and Ceridian. Did you do ISIMS as well?
0: I did ISIMS as well. And that means that I didn't have a deep enough look at any of them. I would, yeah. I would actually start this by encouraging people to notice <laughs> When these things clump together right? because you do yourself a disservice and you're making a loyalty test. That's not healthy, right? Because you, you have to pick. Yeah. And so I tried to get as much as I could out of each of them. And I was surprised by a couple of things. The Ceridian one really surprised me. Mm-hmm. How about you?
1: There was a couple that I thought, you know, they're expected, but I would agree that I was surprised by some of the innovation that we're seeing that I hadn't expected and that we haven't seen this entire year. So that was some of the things I think that, that came a little bit out of some of the work being done at Ultimate. Ceridian definitely came out of the shoot with some real clear messages. And on top of the four events that we're talking about this week, we also saw a lot of stuff going on from the acquisition and merger space. So Outmatch acquired Chexter, which I think is a pretty big issue in the HR talent acquisition space. Items after event announced the acquisition of Easy Recruit, which is another talent acquisition component out of France. Halocity announced the acquisition of SamePage, which is a collaboration tool. I mean, this was just a week. And then on top of it, we had good friends who were moving from small businesses focused on blockchain technology and the future of the work to a major role over at Oracle. Yvette Cameron moved into the head of HCM strategy for Oracle Cloud HCM. So by no means, is this a week where we didn't have something to talk about?
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So that's Gretchen Ellercone's old job, isn't it?
1: It is. It is. Gretchen moved to ServiceNow a few months ago. And I think Oracle's been looking for a while at who's going to be taking the lead role from a strategy perspective for the HCM applications, particularly since Chris Leone. I think moved up a little bit and was covering more of the overall cloud product, not just HR. So they were really in need of someone to handle this. And I think to really understand the audience, Yvette's got a great background in this. Is I think this was a good move for her school. She's got experience working previously in the PeopleSoft. So she comes from the early PeopleSoft crew. She worked with Saba for many, many years. She was an industry analyst for many, many years. And so I think she's going to be well-rounded in this. And she just came out of doing... I guess you would call it groundbreaking work, with Velocity, one of the new networks that are building up around blockchain identity management that's coming out. Where, you know, there, will, there are going to be many, I think, that will be growing out of this model, but Yvette was working on that. I mean, what do you think about this move, John? You know, Oracle has been kind of quiet on the HR space. This is their opportunity to make a change. Do you think they're going to be able to do it?
0: Well, what a complicated move we're talking about here. The first thing that's worth saying is, I believe all of the enterprise-level strategy leaders in our industry are women. That is awesome. That is really awesome. And so this puts Yvette squarely in the ranks of a generation of women leaders. So that's an interesting thing. But I wonder what's going to happen to her federated identity initiative. You know, if I were a member of that, I would be reacting in horror that the person who I thought was the heart of this is now working for Oracle. That's liable to be really messy. That's liable to be really messy. So it's a great thing. It's a great thing for the industry. And there isn't anybody more knowledgeable. There isn't anybody more knowledgeable than that is.
1: Yeah, I'm excited about this move for the Oracle team because I know I've been struggling to try and find a message in their vision for a little while, especially for the HR audience. So I think this was a necessary move for them. But I agree. I just had a briefing with the Velocity team and you know the product that they're pulling together, the initiative that they're pulling together has a lot of big names invested in it. Ultimate SAP, Oracle, all of them are part of it now. So the question won't be is without Yvette, will it continue to hold the same level of cachet? And I think, you know, what you're saying is that may not be the case, but we'll have to see because it being the single identity federated model that they're kind of buying into right now.
0: Well, amongst a certain part of the industry, yes, that's true, but they're the big fish, but they're hardly the only fish and they're not really overall, they're not really a super significant component of the total mass of the industry. It's big, old, clunky enterprise companies, and Wall Street loves them, but they don't have really the capacity to be as flexible as they need. And the people who are coming up and are going to be the people making the innovations with the data, they don't know anything about these big companies, (laughs) you know? (laughs) No, they don't, know, they don't know a thing. So how are you going to get them in? They don't know who you are. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's an interesting challenge, right? You know, Workday has got its own network in the blockchain environment with identity management. And, you know, we're also seeing ADP is not part of it. Paychecks isn't part of it. I did ask them about that. And there was some common There's still some conversations going on. But those are two huge entities that are not part of that kind of a network. And to your point, a little bit of the more, I don't know if anybody would have called them the newer guys in the block, but definitely doing some new innovations. And then we're definitely aren't seeing the, the Microsofts, the Googles, or the Facebooks, which is really where the data and the power sits, right? Like that's where most of the personal identifier information is at, at the end of the day. Yep. And
0: it's smart. It is smart for there to be an HR industry move in this direction. It's smart because the prices that our vendors are going to be charged for the data by Facebook and Microsoft are just wait. (laughs) Just wait. (laughs) You want data about your people? (laughs)
1: That is a
0: good point. You know, it's a market, right? It's just a market. (laughs) And and so people will play with the market like it's a market. And this is, you know, velocity is kind of a positive thing because it shows that there's an industry here. And we're little as an industry. So that's good. Anyhow, the thing that caught my attention, besides, I want to say one more time, I was dumbstruck by the fact that there wasn't a single person on the executive team at Ceridian (laughs) who I knew. And this new generation of leadership at Ceridian is super professional and super competent. And all of the sense that this is a startup of some kind is gone. And it's an amazing thing to behold. It's really an amazing thing to behold. It's a total step forward. So that said, skills, everybody, all week, everybody had a skills taxonomy and their own way of figuring out what skills were you notice
1: that? Yeah, I mean, I agree. I mean, it was an interesting issue. And what we saw at both their event and some of the other ones were different, I think, from what other people expected. If you were to pick the stuff that you thought was most important out of those events, what would you say it was right now?
0: So I want to try to answer that on two levels. On one level, I am really concerned about everybody building their own little tower of Babel that is the skills network, because nobody's checking to see if they agree with each other, right? And so they're setting up these elaborate intellectual structures, and I won't be able to tell if the way you talk about it in your software is the same as the way they talk about it in their software, if I'm a person moving through the system. And so while they've made really an enviable thing for customer lock-in to have the data in that way, but it also inhibits employee movement and the kind of cross-pollination. Because when you go to another company, you have to learn a new taxonomy entirely and a new set of tools for accessing the taxonomy. It's going to slow down business evolution.
1: It's going to. And I think this is the same issue we were just talking about. Like, do we create a network with everything in all in one or do we do it in different environments? And what I think we're finding is that it's almost a matter of you have to start somewhere. That's kind of the conversation I hear most of the time is we know that this isn't going to be the final product. We know that it's going to actually be challenges with connecting with what other people that is the taxonomy or their definition or their value. But at least by starting, we're starting the conversation. We may have it all wrong on both sides, but we're at least going to find out, which is the same thing we do when we do internally with any kind of measurement or metrics or data analysis work. It always starts by at least showing the data you have, finding out it's all wrong, and then starting to have the conversation about how to fix it, right? Do you think I'm missing that or do you think that's incorrect?
0: Well, that's interesting, but that would imply that if you have to show your work as you're moving along. That leads to, and everybody has a well-developed one, because there is no emerging capacity to be able to tell the difference between these things, because these things are not rooted in reality, they're rooted in resumes and job descriptions, right? (laughs) So both resumes and job descriptions are fabrications to some extent, and it's not clear that they match what's actually going on in the world, right? You know, a resume is a distillation into a few words. You know, the whole point of writing a resume is to get it as concise as you can get it, which means there's all sorts of stuff that isn't covered. And that's where this gets rich. That's where this gets really rich, is as we uncover more about each other, we'll be able to make better and better decisions, but not if you assume that you can get it all from an abstract layer.
1: Yeah. You know, I agree and yes, I mean that is the challenge that we're facing with all of this conversation about job description. And this is why I think we saw some of the acquisitions that we saw this week. I mean, the acquisition with Outmatch and Checkster and the acquisition with ISIMs and Easy Crew. One is a acquisition of the tools that are assessing referrals. And assessing how well someone's done on the job, that's the Outmatch and checkster assessment and acquisition. And the iSIMS with Easy Recruit, which is more of a video interviewing tool, both of those bring in additional data, additional perspective that might help you do a better job of understanding if you had that job description correct originally. Do you think that makes sense or do you think we're still too far away from where we need to be at?
0: Well, so collecting data is interesting. Collecting data is always interesting. And there are liable to be some real treasures in the data that we're starting to collect. But in the end, it's still all a conversation about a job rather than the actual doing of the job. Right? And so what you can imagine is that the job will get increasingly measured because there's all the computing capacity and it's always some sort of interface where you can measure everything. And there will be data that is not inherently intelligible in English about what skills actually are. It won't be coherent in English because it's all in machine speak, right? It's all data. And that is going to come up and there's going to be this conflict between that organically developed actual representation of the work and the theoretical framework that people are trying to put on it And that's actually pretty close to the class warfare that we're seeing starting to emerge, right? There's this theoretical layer on the top, and there's the way it actually is on the bottom, and there's a duking it out going on. And so my guess is we'll see that six or seven years from now, that the the intersection of technology and theory is messy. And it's started to emerge here. So there's going to be some utility over the next five to seven years. But this is a research project with really deep implications.
1: Well, and I think this kind of starts where we began the conversation at, right? Which is this idea that can you create a network? Can you have it all? And the answer is, eventually we'll get there. And eventually the mixture of the technology and the systems are going to pull all this together. But as we get there, it's going to be messy. And I, for one, think that the organizations, the solution providers who are trying to get us there, Particularly in the HR space, you know, we've also got a lot of organizations on the consumer side with the Facebooks and the Googles and the Microsofts who are also trying to get us there. I think we're going to see differing perspectives on how you get there. A lot of what we saw in the Ultimate event and in the Ceridian event was that they were both taking a perspective that if they were able to get larger, more global organizations, not only would they increase their value and their numbers and all the big things that you want to get out of a growing business, but there was definitely a perspective that if we do that, we'll have a better view of how work works and how people interact. And so there was a data component to the conversations that both of them were having, I think, that I don't know that we would have heard even five years ago. Right? It would have been just about the finances and the money and the value proposition of just getting bigger customers. But we definitely heard I think, a data conversation here too, which I think goes along to what you're saying. Like they know they need to get it. They know they need to be there. Do you think there'll be a winner in this race, though? Do you think this is a race, or is this we're all going to get there at the same time and create something new?
0: So I think this is the aviation industry after Kitty Hawk, after the first flight. (laughs) And after the first flight, there were a kajillion people wanting to be a company that made flying machines. And there were many who were successful. And none of them became, none of them (laughs) became Boeing or Lockheed, and none of them became Howard Hughes with the first airline, none of them. So I think that's how this goes, is we're marching into a future where much of the stuff we know is going to be somewhat irrelevant because it's handleable. And so the idea that what we're going to do forever is get better and better and better and better and better and better at the same thing. And the way you hear that expressed at these meetings is that we need a better view into how work actually happens is an absolutely common thread between all of the vendors. Mm -hmm. And when HR goes to the operations and says, we need a better view of how the work actually happens, operations says, get the hell out of here. (laughs) They they don't say, come on in. They say, say, you're just going to interrupt our work. What are you talking about? (laughs) Right. And so the industry have is going to run yes. into that same thing, right? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. that's how it always goes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and so the industry is going to have the same problem.
1: Yeah. And that's true, right? We talk a lot about mobile. We talk a lot about better user interface, about reviewing all the different products that are going to be HR service delivery, which is really important over the next several years. But at the end of the day, the really valuable tools are the ones that the employees don't even know are gathering data around what they're doing. That to me, and I just had this conversation with someone the other day, that as important as all of these HR technologies are, and I do think the work they're doing is important and the, the new improvements we're seeing in time and payroll, both 3D and Ultimate have some great conversation about what payroll will look like in the future. All of those things are important, but the real innovation is going to be sparked by those products and those tools that sit on top of a lot of these technologies that you don't even know are there that are capturing data information and um, insight without interrupting the work that's happening
0: that's some interesting stuff there that's a long long conversation about surveillance of employees without them knowing is i get it <laughs> you know, i get you know, it
1: it's, that's
0: why, it's, that's, <laughs> it's worse than HR. people will <laughs> behave differently under those circumstances Right. And that's the problem is like, I'm starting to have conversations with people where the ground rule is we can't talk about what we're talking about. We have to talk around what we're talking about. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Because the tools you're using to communicate are capturing everything you're saying. That's right. Yeah, no, I get it completely. But I also think that the next generation is aware of this and is also more willing to do that if they don't have to fill out another form or tell you how they feel or tell you what their work is. Like there's a trade-off to this Orwellian (laughs) view of the world. And we, I think, are going to have to find the happy medium and what's the ethics around it. But I do think that it's part of what the future looks like.
0: Yeah, I actually completely agree with you. And I'd say it this way, that our current idea of privacy is very weird and built on a worldview that emerged when there were under a billion people. And so the idea of privacy includes this very spacious view of the world where there's lots of room for everybody. But it's not like that anymore. There's a lot more of us. And when there's a lot more of us, you get a lot less privacy. That's just how it is. Privacy is people not being around. and When there's more of you, there's more of you around. So we're going to make some adjustments. And one of the cool things is that when you reduce privacy, you get better fit. That's the trade-off with privacy is the less I know about you, the less well I can serve you. Right? Better service comes with deeper knowledge. And then you have to ask, is the better service worth it? Exactly
1: and i think that the answer is somewhere in the middle on this one because i think my generation and your generation are pretty clear that there are you know a lot of things that are not worth giving up our privacy for I think the next generation after us is very comfortable that some of their privacy will be given away for the sheer fact of being able to get the right kind of product sent to them, to get the right kind of commercials, to not have to filter through so much information and to have it sort of just provided when they need it. And I think that's going to happen to our enterprise systems as well. I think as our work environment, we're going to see a lot more conversation about the more you know about me, the more you can do a better job providing benefits, the more you can do a better job showing me opportunities, you know, the more you can do a better job actually supporting me when I'm having problems. And to do that, we have to be comfortable that we also have very clear ethical guidelines along what you can't do. And I don't think those are in place right now. So I think that's a bit of a sticking problem. It was We don't know what we can and can't do with the data yet.
0: That's absolutely right. That's absolutely right. And there's so many ways to run on from there. What a great end to the show. I love it when the conversation can go on longer. (laughs) It's it's good. Thanks for doing this. And thanks for tuning in, everybody. You've been listening to HR Tech Weekly, One Step Closer with Stacey Harris and John Sumcher. Bye-bye now.
1: Thanks, everyone. Bye.